Now this is podcasting presents lyrical time capsule. Hey, welcome back to Lyrical Time Capsule. Here is part two of our Smells Like Teen Spirit investigation. Um, Shall we go ahead? Did we get up to the the little list at the end of the no. chorus? Did we do that no. bit? No, no, let's do it. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Okay, so I have no I have no comment, nothing to say about this list, about any of this. Are you serious? So, yeah, okay. I got nothing. I got so, so much. <laughs> so hit hit us. Hit us. Go. I got so much. Yeah, I great. got so much. Oh my god. Okay. Okay, so a mulatto. Carry that way, a mulatto. Boy. <laughs> I'm gonna drop some grenades right now, boy. Please. I'm going into, we're going into a minefield, buddy. Okay, what are what are what are both a mulatto and an albino? What are they? Well, uh, a mulatto is is that not a mixed race um, yeah. person with some Hispanic um, percentage? Exactly. So it's a mix of Hispanic, or or you might say European and um, African. So across Central sure. America, the Caribbean, particularly Cuba, um, mulatto is a was a common phrase. I'm sure it's devastatingly offensive now um yeah Mm. mixed race basically an albino is a person with a with a genetic condition meaning that they have no skin pigmentation no melanin so no melanin indeed yes indeed so um these two this is the image that i get when i see this this is a racial this is a racial yin and yang symbol yeah. Okay. I'm with you. That's what I that's what I get from it. So a mulatto would be the would be the black segment with the white part in it. I'm making hand signals on screen. It's useless for a bloody podcast. <laughs> the black fish with the white eye would be the mulatto, right? There's a bit of white in there. And the albino is mostly white, but you know, hell, you you get albinos in in Africa. Um, I don't mm. know if you know. Do you know the mm. what the culture is around in many regions of Africa around albinos? Uh, I know that the that something extreme. <laughs> yeah, really extreme. Like like um, like you. I believe like a, it revolves around a lot of cannibalism and right. Um, Albinos get killed for their body parts. Right. I'm not saying this is across Africa. This is in certain parts of Africa at certain times. Albinos get um, get slaughtered and, the, uh, and killed a, for their body there parts. There was a historical uh, precedent of. Uh, explain. <laughs> no, <laughs> Please is that explain. What you, is that, is that, are you saying that um, at some point in time there has been a situation where that was the case? Oh, no. I mean, it happens now. Oh, um, wow. As okay. well. Um, yeah, still in, in many places, but definitely not pan-African, let's say. It's, right. it's just in limited places and at greater times in the past, I would have thought. Mm. Um, that, that's by the by. The point is, that's the image that I get in my head. It's right. a mulatto, which is a mix of a, of a white, of an of a, um, African and a white. I'm just going to use white because it's the extreme example, even if it's Hispanic. And then the albino, I picture an African albino. 
Um, so it's like black mixed with white and white mixed with black. And I see this as a racial. Mm. Um, this this two list this first part of the list is a is a racial yin and yang symbol. And for me, that is Kurt Cobain being like mischievously woke about mm. the melding of identities, racial identities. I think that Kurt Cobain was pretty damn woke. And the mm. reason why I say that is that there are a lot of interviews where he says things like, oh, I'm, I'm something like, he said something like, I'm proud to be ashamed of being a white man, something like that. Right. Um, I'm, I'm mixing it up. I'm paraphrasing. But the point is he was he was racially conscious. What mm. we call now like critical race theory and stuff like that is about mm. raising racial consciousness. Kurt Cobain was very race conscious. Mm. So when he includes these mixed race identities, what he's doing is kind of being being mischievous about the melding of races and and what that does to someone's identity. Mm. So I believe that's what he's doing there. It's basically sort of saying... Um, what's the word I'm trying to get to? He's he's being he's being sort of like coy and wry about identity. Mm. Um, that that and and if I could ca- characterize it in one sentence, it would be something like, and this is going to sound incredibly trite. <laughs> it's not all black and white, right? Um, there is mixes and unusual identities that cause mm. very interesting results in mm. society. Um, you can be racially conscious one way or racially conscious another way, but here's a mixed race person. Mm. What does that person do? Mm. Uh, you can be a, a, a pan-African nationalist Wakanda forever type person. Here's a, <laughs> a, a an African person who looks like a white guy. What are you going to do with that? You know, mm. Like apparently chop him up and eat him Yeah. Um, for magical purposes, like bonkers. So I think he's being sardonically racially conscious here mm. um, in this line. And, and, and using uh, using sort of provocative words. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> provocative. Thank mm. you. He's being provocative. He's being mischievous. Mm. Now, if I was going to be even more, cruel, <laughs> you know, cruel here, or maybe exposing myself, maybe I'm telling on myself. When I th- hear that word, here we are now, entertain us. Uh, th- for for me, I picture a show. I picture the audience there baying for something to be entertained by. And a ringmaster, like like uh. I'm imagining, like a, an 18th century ringmaster comes out and goes, and he li- he shows you things, and here are the he, acts. this is what he wants to entertain you. Yeah, hey, and here we have a mulatto, and everyone's like, whoa, crazy freak show, and and then he goes, whoa, and now an albino. It's like, okay, this is what we're entertained by. Um, you know, that's the image that I get. Well, uh, it's, it's funny that you say that. And do you think that's maybe informed by the video as well? Because uh, where they're performing is kind of on... It's... Uh, I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't separate um, the Nirvana song, Smells Like Teen Spirit, and the, from the, weird and the video <laughs> from the Weird Al. I just can't separate yeah. them. Because for me, that it's just they just exist together. Um, yeah. With with great adulation and love and respect what, from me. Uh, what is Weird Al's angle? Smells, I've forgotten. Smells like Nirvana, and it's uh, why, is is in the original video. Is it on a basketball court? Because I think maybe yeah. in the Weird Al one, he includes basketball court. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't. Oh yeah, they're on a basketball court, it's, and he uses a lot of the same cast and and um oh, and, serious? and oh, and, and um scenery and and props and stuff. So he really recreated yeah. it. Um. But uh, yeah, there's the, there's a sense when you say like the circus, but I, I feel like there's you know all the the kids are on bleachers, sitting on bleachers, which yeah. is like being at a circus. 
um, mm. and there's sort of you know the bands nice. performing in the middle, which might be the ring, it might be the basketball court. I can't remember mm. exactly, but yeah, there is a sense of that um, in the video. Um, but I, I like I like your idea of you know here here's the axe on the bill. I like that. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, that's what well, that's what I get from that, and it and I think it puts us in the intersection of um, um, you know where we've ended up. I, again, I feel like he's a harbinger of mm. um, of our um, highly racially conscious times, which have, in my opinion, ended up as an absolute fucking disaster. And maybe I'll have to censor that, uh, censor that swear out later. But um, it's uh, I just think the, the elevation of racial consciousness, particularly in a society that claims to be multicultural, can only lead to, to conflict. Um, so, so, you know, and, 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 and you know, then, then really, really, you know, it gets to the crux of it. Um, if you have racial consciousness between these groups and you have black consciousness and are we allowed to have, is anyone allowed to have white consciousness? I don't know. We'll find out soon. Maybe um, only if you're but, an albino. Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're raising these racial consciousnesses. What happens to the mixed race guy? Which consciousness is he supposed to raise or she's supposed to raise? Mm. Um, anyway. Well, that's 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 my personal predicament. Uh huh. Um, and, and and I mean, do you, he's not providing any answers. If if that's your take, no. if that's your theory, he's not providing any answers. He's just he's simply um, highlighting it. Yes, highlighting it, or just just being deliberately provocative. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's doing, um, but I don't think mm-hmm. either does he. You know, it's just kind of it's just kind of. Um, provocative thought-provoking nonsense kind of thing the next line a mosquito my libido okay you, you, do you want me to <laughs> do you want me to grenade this one as well go for it <laughs> yeah okay so basically like i think that he i think that to me this speaks to a very very complicated relationship with his sexuality um as a as a as a you know man or whatever like if he talks about his his I don't think this is a list at this point. I think it's like a mosquito colon <laughs> my libido. Sure, like the, sure. my my libido is like yeah. a mosquito, and it's like okay, what's a mosquito? It's like a par- you know parasitic blood sucking tiny <laughs> creature that pricks with a little prick that mm. um, is going to infect you with malaria and suck mm. your blood and itch and be an irritating. Mm. All of those things. That's my libido baby mm. <laughs> like uh <laughs> you know i just think that i just think that on a on a sort of freudian level um this is someone who is being extremely uh self-deprecating basically mm, yeah. about their libido do you think uh, there's a, a do you think yeah. there's a heroin connection in here too maybe ooh nice i hadn't thought of that yeah because that's that's well i mean a a mosquito um like a like a needle um you know gets in gets into your body uh and i mean there's a lot of there's been a lot of dialogue i think around the connection between heroin and and um there's like an a described sense of ecstasy uh, or you know possibly orgasmic but or at the same time killing the libido um that is yeah, such I don't know. a good just link a few, mate. just a few ideas no i love that i love that and i love that you mentioned that because um the you know a lot of music in in that we've had 
a lot of genres of music have been the direct product of certain <laughs> certain substances, right? So. Mm. Uh, w whatever you want to say, like uh, dance music, they used to call it, just dance music in England, mm. um, or happy hardcore was completely the result of of ecstasy, right? Mm. Um, the the music of grunge is so heroin soaked. <laughs> it's mm. like it's right actually quite difficult to listen to. It's it's so dark and it's so it's so infused with the propensity for. Um, use of heroin in that scene mm. and I don't you know I think that that is um, absolutely perfect and one of the things that I always always thought even before connecting it to necessarily deeper reflections on what Buddhism is and 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 all that stuff that we discussed earlier is that his his it was a sardonic reference Nirvana as bliss state was a sardonic reference to the heroin high mm. um, yeah so I think that's great to mention it to be honest Mm. Um, I, my my next favorite thing is the yeah hey and yeah. especially yeah. yay <laughs> yay yeah yay yes yeah, <laughs> so good so good so ironic ironic uh just brilliant just brilliant mm. like says so much yeah <laughs> all right shall we continue sarcastic sarcastic doesn't even cover it um, yeah, and I guess just, did we get another of these post-choruses? Um, you talked about the setting of the video earlier. Um, this is yeah. like, yeah, hey, yay, is very cheering, right? So it's like a cheerleader yeah. type thing. That's the only thing I would do. So I think one of the, you know, maybe they looked at that line, apart from Teen Spirit, um, mm. the, the title, which we can talk about more later, I guess, when we finish up. But, but you know, what I get from this is like cheerleaders and he's just sarcastically mm. <laughs> mocking the idea of, yay, cheering. <laughs> like that's teen spirit. <laughs> I, I think from memory, and, and once again, I can't disconnect the the, the two versions, uh, one for me, but um, the cheerleaders <laughs> with the hairy armpits and um, oh, kind of an yeah. alternative look, you know. Um, yeah, I, I just Goss always cheerleaders. Yeah. yeah. It it, it yeah, didn't so occur hot. to me until you know much later that that was the case. I just saw cheerleaders, right? You know, yeah. Um, I saw them dressed in black. I didn't notice the the hairy armpits, but uh, yeah. Once again, yeah. I can't remember if that was the Weird Al. Oh, that might <laughs> be Weird Al. Yeah, <laughs> but, okay. but um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> seems normal to me, right? Like that's fine. no, no, great. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm Weird gonna Al's play. Shall we play all the way through to um? No, let's, let's let's do the verse. Play, let's just do the next verse. Let's play it all the way through to the all the way through to the chorus and okay. stop at the next chorus. Why not? Pre stop okay. Um, it just bears mentioning yeah. that in the listening in the headphones is just a slight, uh, slight subtle panning in uh -huh. the in the mantra um, between is left it? and right. 
Yeah. Interesting. Like a, you know, there, there's there's a lot of use of chorus mm. and or phasing on the yeah. on the guitar. You know, that's a, mm. a, kind of the quintessential Nirvana guitar sound. But then just that sort of phasing, panning, feel the of same the vocal? mirrored mirrored sound of the vocal in the in that yeah, uh, hello, cool. hello. Yeah. It's really okay, I hadn't so that quite gives picked a up little on bit before. of a little bit of the echo. The ethereal echo kind of vibe. Yeah. 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 The reflective consciousness. Yeah. Okay, verse two. So I'm worse at what I do best. And for this gift I feel blessed. Okay. <laughs> well there's there's some circular speak. Yes, indeed. Yeah. What do you get from it? Oh um well then I'm thinking about what is it that I do best and you know, how would I be worse at it and what am I worse <laughs> at in comparison to? Um, and which is never mentioned. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. In comparison to what? And, and, and it, that's that's a very discombobulating line too. It is. It is. It's just so deliberate. You know, it's like back to this kind of nihilistic Zen Cohen stuff and mm. just, um, you know, what could you say? It's back to the lose. It's fun to lose. So it's mm. fun to be worse at what you mm. do best. It's like, oh God, mate, you know, um, <laughs> this, is, this is a lost soul basically. That's yeah. all I can say about it. Um, and you know, like being, being, feeling good, feeling blessed to be bad at what you do best. It's like, oh, it's like, mate, this is, this is a hard, this is a person that's very, very far down the road of, of nihil, you know, basically nihilism. Yeah. Um, and it's just like grinning, grinning, (laughs) grin while you're losing kind of thing. It's just like, um, you know. I, I don't know. I, I, it's difficult not to get into the weeds on it, but, but we talk about gifts, right? It's a gift from, it's a gift from God or your talent is a gift from God. And so he's, he's saying that, that the stuff that he's, the stuff that he does best, he's worse at it. Um, worse than before or worse than everyone else. Or worse um, than something he, else that he does. I, I don't know. Worse than something else that he does. So it's just unclear, right? Mm, unclear would be mm. a great way to characterize it. But but for that gift of being worse at what he does best, he feels blessed. It's like ah, and blessed is a religious uh, line as well, right? Um, so so, you know, it's just like this sardonic idea that of um, total lack of awareness of the gifts that you've been given, or or total lack of appreciation or gratitude, mm. um, just abandonment to nothingness. I think is what I get from that. But either way, a very very undesirable, very undesirable mind state. I would say. Well, gifts gifts can be challenges as well, can't they? Like true, um, true. Something something you're given doesn't have to be a present, a treat. You know, it can just be simply something you're given. <laughs> yeah, true, indeed. Yeah, your, your well, lot in life. In, <laughs> yeah, true, but definitely in this sardonic reading, it it could be that for sure. Mm. Um, I do think gift has a positive, uh, generally right. a positive connotation. Sure. sure. Um, and gift, you know, what you do, if you're gifted at it, it's a, an ability, right? It's not just anything. It's like, and, and where did the ability come from? Well, not, sure. you, know, you could say hard work, but people do have innate talents um, and they are gifts. Mm. Um, and he's gifted at being worse at what he does best. It's like, oh mm. God, this is, you know, you talked about it being circular. I think that's a great mm. word to describe it because you just ended up in this circle of of unreason and and you know go you know and, and descending into this into this pit of of darkness and uh and you know you're asking yourself well how low how low how low can we go in yeah, this thing yeah um you know it's just like oh god kurt 
please, mate. Um, our little group has always been and always will until the end. Yeah. What do you get from that? Well, I, I, I just start wondering what the group is. Does he yeah. mean the band? Does he mean people mm. of like mind? Does he mean mm-hmm. humans? Does I, I have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah. I, I like to think that, you know, I <laughs> I love to read this in a positive, as a positive okay. affirmation, you know, like <laughs> my band, this, my group, nice. our little group, you know, we're, we're a group of, a yeah. tight little group of brothers um, yeah. taking on the challenge of being thrust mm-hmm. into celebrity and, and having expectations upon us and, um, you know, but you know, regardless of all the maelstrom around us, we, we're 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 cool. We're tight. We've yep. got each other's backs. Okay. I, I really want, <laughs> I really love reading uh, it that way. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, let's do, let's table that and just say that's the that is if we want to maintain a modicum of sanity, that's a you, great reading. You could bin it. You don't have to table it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I like it. I like it. I like it. The only thing I would say is that if it was that, you know, you know, it's it's kind of maybe sardonic, like like um, you know, he knows that this is temporary and he knows yeah, it's no. about to burn. It's going to burn out. I, I um, think more likely it's a it's um a reference back to the group that's getting their guns and yeah. jumping in the back of the Ute. I, yeah, I I, I yeah. think that's really what the the direction is. Yeah, cool. It, for me, it, it reads like a... I, and I've never had this experience. I only know it from movies, but the high school yearbook where you write messages to each right. other yeah, um, sure. at the end of school. And that's the kind of thing that people would write. Yeah. Our little group, our little school clique or whatever has always mm. been and always will until the end. Well, you know, even that's dripping with irony. I'm sure we've all mm. had the experience of believing that our friends uh, at school or whatever, that you're going to be friends forever. And yeah, you keep some friends, I guess. But in general, mm. you don't keep in touch with these people. You move on, life changes and, mm. and all kinds of stuff happens. So believing believing that anything has always been and always will until the end is a, is a, um, <laughs> is a hilarious statement um, in any context. It's particularly ironic in the context again and i'm only going to mention this briefly but um (laughs) just the just the impermanence we a a buddhist doctrine is impermanence right so becoming attached to anything is a is uh is unskillful i think they describe it as it's not right behavior it's not Mm. right thought to become Mm. attached to anything so our little group has always been like that's ridiculous nothing Mm. has always been Mm. nothing's eternal and always will Mm. until the end always will have been i guess is the context um you know impossible nothing is permanent nothing's permanent under any philosophy um and the only thing i will mention is just this concept of escaping the wheel of samsara because the Mm. only thing that is permanent forever is this wheel and if if you were to describe something like something in the buddhist doctrine that has always been and always will and until the end that would be a great way to describe the wheel of samsara. Mm. And if you were to describe what is the little group on the wheel of samsara, it's all beings. Right. <laughs> it's all living beings. All have uh, uh, always been and always will keep spinning on the wheel of samsara until the end, until the end, until nirvana, basically. Okay. Great. Um, we'll play through the chorus, I guess. Let's let's go all the way to the end of the solo. Yeah, let's do that. Lights out, it's a you 
I know there hasn't been any extra lyrics, but yeah, uh, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, holy shit. Well, you know, one thing to mention is is what, you know, and you're a melody guy, doesn't even need a great musical brain like yours to recognize what he's doing in the solo, which normally, if I'm not wrong, I'm not a guitarist, but I listen to a bunch of rock. And as far as I'm aware, in a, in, a, in a solo, what you're supposed to do normally is like do some innovative twist on the melody and really, really show like, a, like something wild and, and kind of, uh, what's the word, like a new twist. Like I'm, I'm, I'm repeating myself, but you understand what I mean, right? A, like, ooh, I can make... You elevate it or you, you, yeah. you, take, you take the song somewhere else, but yes, no. Yes, exactly. No. What That's does he do? What he, does. <laughs> he just repeats the, the vocal melody. He repeats the vocal melody. Yeah. Pitch perfect. Yeah. Even with the same drone. Like and it's almost as in and, dissonance. Yeah. It's almost as it's almost as decipherable as his actual lyrics. Like yeah. you can he could just be droning with his mouth, but he's droning with his guitar. It's bloody extraordinary. It's amazing. It's, it's an extraordinary amazing. decision. Yeah. So you know, there's nothing there. <laughs> just repeating the melody again. Like oh, but, if he didn't uh, like rep- repetition in and of itself, you know, um, really anchors the. It does. Uh, it anchors the melody. Number one. It. It um, does. You know, it really ties ties the melody in your brain. It mm-hmm. locks it in. Um, mm-hmm. And and I don't, as I think you were just alluding to, but you kind of hear the lyrics again. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it. it real. I think it really marries it. I think it. It. it oh, it's an anchor for sure. I. I agree completely. I think it's an amazing decision from the perspective of wanting to be a catchy pop song. <laughs> it's an amazing decision. Like, oh, are we going to have no, another there's hook? No doubt. Nope. There's no doubt that and, that works. Right. It works as a pop song. As a. As an mm. almost like a corporate decision. Like if you were a corporate, if you were making a corporate decision about what to do at this point in the song, it's like no, no, no. Don't introduce anything new. Hit him with the melody again. Hit him with the melody reduced to its most basic form. That'll mm. really make it catchy. That will get in their head like an it's earworm. It's a hook. It's a hook. But but also on on a on the deeper level, it's it's the mantra again. You know, it's repeating. Indeed, that's absolutely brilliant. But just to bookend what I'm trying to say, I think that, that, that him that him coming to that decision, which is exactly what you would do if you were a corporate overlord of music at that point, like, no, 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 Kurt, no extra notes. You play what you did in the melody, nothing new. It speaks to his fraught relationship with his incredible pop instincts. Because he didn't want he, he he wanted to be in a big popular band that that had press attention that toured that had successful singles and blah 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 but he didn't want you know any of the trappings that went along with that ultimately <laughs> he didn't even want them to start with and he definitely didn't want them the way they played out responsibilities but but his but his pop instincts basically he didn't want to be a pop band but his pop instincts are so honed mm. that when it comes time to do a solo, he can't help it. He, he can't help it. He can't and, help and, it. And I mean, and that you can see, you can see in the the wealth of other Nirvana material that you know he he almost does everything he can to escape 
or, or to do the opposite of the pop sensibility, but he can't help it. He can't help it. Um, yeah, he's he's an absolute master of it, um, of melodies, of hooks, of of, of structure, um, and you know, I've, he he. You always experience him trying to perform those things in a way that's the antithesis of what they are. Uh, I find that fascinating. Yeah. I, th- I think it's part of their great appeal. Is mm. um, is is the the chiaroscuro, you know. It's, um, I, th- I think, and just to reference another uh, contemporary, is um, Smashing Pumpkins, I think we're mm. very, very good at doing that as well. Um, yeah, great band. This light and shade and, and the, the sort of tension mm. between, mm. the tension between these elements. And I think for Kurt, yeah, as you, as you rightly say, I, th- um, I think my opinion is that, yeah, he, he can't help but be a pop genius. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Crazy. Let's go to the third verse. Let's do it. <laughs> and I forget just what is, yeah, yes, it makes me smile. I found it hard. It's hard to find the well, whatever, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I immediately go back. I, and from a young age, I uh, I immediately thought of heroin. Did you really? How did yeah. you know about heroin? How old were you? Uh, twelve. Twelve, man! I didn't know. I grew up in Canberra. Uh, you know, when you turn fourteen, okay. you have to choose between <laughs> smack or weed. It's okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. All right. So you Sorry were basically if I outed any Canberrans. <laughs> Scomo on the weed. <laughs> uh, anyway, and I forget. Oh, we better read it. I'll tell you why. Because this yeah. ultimately is yes. is one of the most indecipherable lyrics of the song. I think it's okay. it's his I, worst I delivery. The, I thought the previous verse myself. Really? Okay. For yeah. me, let me just remember the previous one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's indecipherable too. But for me, this is this is. A very indecipherable lyric. It's it's among the worst delivery in the song. <laughs> so let's just read it. And I forget just why I taste. Oh yeah, I guess it makes me smile. And I delivered it wrong myself. It should be something like and I and I forget I forget just why I taste. Oh yeah, I I guess it makes me smile. Like there's a lot of character in the way he delivers it, right? Yeah. yeah. Like he, li- how many how many lyrics do we ever get like this where someone mm. <laughs> appears to be having a, a stream of consciousness in the middle of the song mm. that they're remembering something mm. in the middle of the line? That's mm. unusual. I think it stands out. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of uh, other examples. I I I, I don't have. A- Good one. I I think I feel like I get that same impression from uh, sometimes from Jeff Buckley. Okay. Uh, Don't know him that well. I, I want to say I want to say Neil Finn, but uh, okay. I think maybe I'm just imagining that. Um, yeah, but maybe. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not super common. Well, maybe the other person who. Writes in this way, and I'll explain what I mean in a minute. Is someone like uh, Tom York, yeah, who yeah. writes who writes in these kind of conversational snippets 
that seem to be things that he's overheard. Yeah. yeah. And it's very, very naturalistic. I yes. Obviously, this is crafted. This is crafted in a way that Tom York's lyrics are not, in my opinion, generally. Oh, you. Think, and I forget. Really? Uh, we'll get into Tom York. Okay. <laughs> um, another and another episode. Um, but this is crafted because it's ironic. It's double ironic. We'll just. I'll just mention yeah. something straight away. Is I forget. I forget in the first line, and then he remembers <laughs> in the second line. So. Yeah. It's just like this very, very clever crafting of him juxtaposing, forgetting, and remembering. And he doesn't yeah. say, uh, oh, I, re- I remember. He, he yes. doesn't. He goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is so clever. Um, but what is he forgetting? I forget just why I taste. Okay, now, so back to your um, point about heroin. No pun intended on point. What's no. your... What's that all about? Why? How did you know this was about heroin? I had no idea. Well, I, I don't know that it is, but that's that's where my my head goes to. I look. I mean, I, I grew up in a um, a medical family, and um, uh, I mean, so this. I mean, in the it's it's, it's in and around the culture, I guess, in the eighties. Um, in I'm I'm around needles and and delivery of medicines, you know, frequently. So um, that kind of information is on my radar, I guess. Um, in Canberra, there was um, what what we'd refer to as a shooting gallery, um, oh, or yeah, I think that was one of the the phrases used to describe it. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, there was an injecting a say. I, I, there was a there was a. a a high degree of public um, heroin usage or it was talked about at least on the news locally a lot. I remember as a kid in Canberra and then there was uh, an injection room uh, or a space where, you know, there was um, medical assistance and there were clean needles and disposal, safe disposal of sharps. And, you know, there was um, uh, safety and, and hygiene around um, using heroin in public uh, and it was very mm. controversial so i think it was kind of in in the in the local news a lot and and discussion a lot um and pretty progressive by all accounts i think at the time mm-hmm. um so that that the kind of idea was around uh i think i've watched a lot of maybe even english shows going you know back 10 15 years that um exposed me to uh heroin use in the themes uh, you know so and then the taste i mean when when i when i i imagine you know like licking the needle or kind of oh right you know, yeah mm-hmm. um, why i taste yeah that's that's the image yeah. i get in my head anyway yeah i i think i think you got to be spot on um you know the ambiguity in the lyrics there is is just something to do with something to do with a uh, and why why taste as well so it's, it's possible that's some kind of slang drug slang or whatever but i also feel like there's something there about okay taste is related to eating right and and um gaining a flavor of something from eating it yeah you talk about the flavor and you taste the flavor but sure. taste itself is not eating taste no is is just like sampling and you don't get any nutrition from it yeah it's empty yeah it's empty, okay? So yeah. I think that that fits with your your um, your view that this is drug-related because if I had to characterize mm. heroin, it would be like 
the nirvana, the bliss type nirvana, but without earning it. Mm, um, right. You don't do any of the meditation. You don't do any of the chanting of mantras or wa- right. or whatever. You don't um, slough off your karma. You don't do any of that stuff. You just inject the drug, uh, and it's like instead of a, instead of fully instead of fully committing to the to the the nutritional regimen of enlightenment, you could shortcut it with by taking a taste. Mm. So uh, that that's that's kind right. of doing two parallels at the same time, but still, mm. I, I want to emphasize more about what you said about, about the the heroin aspect. Um, that it's empty empty calories, right? You can it can be hard work, as the next line is found it hard. It's hard to find. It can be hard work yeah. going going on the chase and uh, I, you know having the money. I hear this. <laughs> yeah, I hear this. I'm I'm blessed to say I have no idea, but um, you know. Uh, it is one of the common things that people need to find the drugs, and it's mm. actually really hard. <laughs> mm. I mean, um, so I found it hard. Yeah, I, th- I think it's really, really apt to, <laughs> On, men- literal, to make that connection. <laughs> in a literal way. <laughs> I found it hard. It's hard to find. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. <laughs> you know, I, I think this is probably my favorite. It might be my favorite Kurt Cobain line. Wow. Uh, I found it hard. It's hard to find. Yeah. Oh, wow. well, whatever. Never mind. That's yeah. my, that's a brilliant brilliant line i think yeah. it might be my favorite kurt cobain line wow um and there's stiff competition i think he's a brilliant lyricist um but just back to smile oh yeah i guess and so we've got the memory we've got forget versus remembering oh yeah i guess it makes me smile now smile is to happiness what taste is to food in my opinion mm. <laughs> it's a superficial it's, it's a, a superficial signifier of happiness mm. whoops it's it's very super superficial. I've said it twice mm. now. Um, yeah, so that's it's superfluous. I've said it superfluously. <laughs> um, super. Uh, so so I think there's an interesting parallel there between mm. taste and smile. Mm, great, great. I like that. But yes, you know, I we want haven't, to go. Sorry, we haven't talked about rhyme scheme at all once or anything like that. Yeah, it's true. And this is the worst time to talk about it because <laughs> that couplet, that couplet doesn't have it. Um, but but the others, I don't know how we, how would you dis- how would you characterize the rhymes personally? Well, I, I I was that was a prompt for you, mate. Yeah, I just think that they're. I just don't think that that's something I. It's not I, I think that they're very. No, they're not important. It's not it's important. Not that it's, important. It's kind of basic level. It's kind of mm. um, extraneous, and he. I mm. just don't think it's something that he really focuses on at all. Yeah, and it's there's, just there's a, 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 a B B. Yeah, there's a subtle amount of alliteration uh, occasionally. Yeah, um, but I, I. Once again, I. I don't feel like um, there's great emphasis in it. Um, no. Yeah, I, uh, I don't think it's highlighting more... things really that specifically. Mm. Not really, no, no. They're they're there. The rhymes are there. They're not really the ones doing the heavy lifting. It's the imagery. It's the juxtapositions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's where the that's it, it's it's the riddles. It's the it's mm. the deliberate uh, um deliberate ambiguity and the dripping mm. sarcasm as you described it in the beginning. Mm. That's what's doing the heavy lifting. Rhyme wise, it's not. It's really, really not important. I don't think. Uh, find and mind is just like yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. These are not challenging rhymes, and they're not mm. designed to be. There's a bit more interesting stuff in the chorus, so maybe in this final chorus we'll look at it. Uh, we'll yeah. look at that aspect. Um, and just to mention, there's only 
uh, I mean, obviously, there's a fair bit of repetition, as we've discussed, um, and coming mm. up, there's no different. But there's two more words that are the last remaining new words to be introduced into the lyrics. Shall we play all the way through? Not quite yet. Okay. <laughs> because I really, I really want to dwell on this last two l- lines of the f- of the third verse. Okay, cool. I cool, found cool, cool, it. Cool. I found it hard. It's hard to find. Oh well, whatever. Never mind. Mm. Oh my god! I just, I, w- I just want to give the maximal praise because I think this is the <laughs> distillation of the of the Kurt Cobain method of songwriting, right. of lyric writing, distilled into two lines. So. We get a double, you know, a double meaning, which he loves, a a um a hom- homophone, basically. I would I would describe it as. I don't know if I'm using that right. Uh, homonym, anyway. Um, I found it hard, like as in life was difficult, or it the experience was difficult. Mm. It's hard to find. It's like yeah, okay, we got two. All he's done is change the the word order and the tense, and he's got two completely different meanings. Like yeah. the economy. The economy of poetry there is is astounding and it's beautiful. And I don't think that, you know, I, I think it's original. I don't think anyone else came up with that sort of um, lyrical contrast before. I found it hard. It's hard to find. But it's so basic and it's it's like a, a rock that just sits there in the culture. That's just brilliant <laughs> lyric writing. Absolutely brilliant. Like he discovered it. Like, And the way I would put it is... Um, I don't know if this is Zen or what, but I got it from Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Is you find a massive <laughs> rock and you're trying to you're trying to separate them, and the person is able to tap in little bits of metal, and they're then able to just tap the metal and the rock just oh, yeah. splits apart. So the economy of effort is is um is the maximal economy of effort basically being able to split an entire boulder with a few taps of metal. Yeah. that's how I see that line. It's just a wonderful line. I found it hard. It's hard to find. Beautiful poetry and dripping with sarcasm and nihilism and all the stuff mm. he's trying to do um, represented in one line. Oh, well, whatever. Never mind. Yeah. I, okay. <laughs> I mean, talk about the, the character of the man in whatever personality he's trying to adopt here, but talk about embodying it in in his lyrical representation the way he's speaking the prosody the choice of words you know it's kind of like valley girl type um language oh well whatever whatever type of thing um you know total unattachment to results total unattachment to truth anything resignation oh well and then there's two words at the end of the end of the verse if we've got a bit of time i just want to dwell on this never mind Never mind. Like, forget it, right? So, mm. so that line was all about, I forget, I forget. Oh, yeah, I guess it makes me smile. I found it hard. It was hard to find. It's hard to find a real um, moment of realization about life. Oh, well, whatever. Never mind. Forget it again. So it, it starts with, I forget, then it ends with, forget it. But never mind also gave the title of the album. And never mind is two words, but brilliantly, they put the words together to get never mind. So it's one word. It's a new word, a new coining from Nirvana. Never mind. And if I, if someone could ever encapsulate the concept of Nirvana, and the the specific in darkening enlightenment that Nirvana represents, never mind mm. would be a 
brilliant synonym of it. It's absolutely brilliant lyricism and poetry. Never mind. So that's what I wanted to talk about with that. <laughs> well, for, and that's why. Me, I, yeah, look. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, great. No, for, I mean, for me, it's like there's the whole song, right? And and he, yeah. he provides all this imagery and these um, dichotomous concepts and, and then, and, you know, infuses it all with this emotional meaning by, yeah. uh, you know, saying all this important stuff but in this sarcastic way. But then... For me, the whole thing is that that that's that's the final word, even though it's not the final words mm. in the lyrics. But that's the final yes. word on the whole thing, which is just throw it all away. Yes, it was pointless. Nice. You know, um, yeah. I'll, don't bother. Um, and yeah. that all of don't all bother. of Forget this it. scenery, all of the imagery, all of the the multiple meanings, all of the double layers. It up. Uh, forget it. That's kind of the <laughs> essence of the song for me. Um, yeah, and. You know that um, I, I think that has a on on the spiritual level of, of which you're talking about um, the Zen concepts, and, but and then also as as you you kind of touched on there with um, the the peers, the you know, um, that there's an encapsulation of the the generation potentially. Mm. Yeah, you know. Um, and that yeah. sense of ni- the nihilistic kind of um, yeah, I don't know. What am I? What am I saying? Um, well, I I think what you it's all pointless. You, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm. It encapsulates that perfectly. Mm. And the way you mm. said the way you tied it into the generation, that mm. is what the generation is feeling at that moment. The generation X. So it's just absolutely brilliant. Like mm. if he was ever puzzled about why he became the voice of a generation um, mm. in this context at this point in history, you know, look no further. That's the line. That's, That's the, line. the line. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Um, but it's very depressing. <laughs> <laughs> he, very wasn't, depressing. he wasn't wrong though. He, he, was, he was bang on and it's, it's he terribly heartbreaking. No, he mm. was bang on and that's the tragedy of it. Okay, so we've got a final chorus. Let's play through. And we'll talk a bit about the rhyming in the last chorus as well as the last two words that you alluded to.
think I just need to pick my kidney out of the toilet. <laughs> it's so brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. You it's nailed so, it. it's brutality. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And there are people, mm. but just just talking about style for a second, there were people who love who loved Nirvana, loved grunge, who like bulk at listening to, you know, um, black or death metal or thrash metal or things like that. Mm. I'm sorry, but Nirvana is more brutal than most mm. death mm. metal bands, just conceptually oh, absolutely. and tonally. Like, it's a- more brutal. <laughs> and yet it was... Yeah. And yet it was pop. Yeah. Like, that's freaking astonishing to me. Yeah. Um. Okay, just to finish up then, lyrical analysis. So, um, yeah, what do you think ahead. about, what do you think about this denial? What, let, let's, let's save that for a second. I just want to, okay. I just want to finish by talking about the final chorus, just, just to finish up, sure. because you mentioned rhymes. The rhymes do get a little bit more sophisticated in the chorus. There's this dangerous, entertainous, contagious and entertainous now now that's that's a massive leap in sophistication because he's keeping the same rhyme it goes across two syllables um the only thing i wanted to mention is that i know that kurt is a bit of a troll a bit provocative i can't shake i can't shake <laughs> the thought yeah i can't shake the thought that in that here we are now entertain us is that he's making a little joke about can i say anus in a big pop song <laughs> <laughs> several times <laughs> and get away with it and get really? away with it i don't know just a thought well, just a thought think, then do you think he also snuck in ass in self-assured <laughs> maybe okay you know like sure it's ridiculous but i just think and i think it could have given him a wry smile he found it hard yeah, 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 yeah. Look, look. I'm not saying I'm. I'm not saying it's a hill I'll die on. But I just wouldn't be surprised. He's a he's a bit of a troll. So, um, and just a final thought on I feel stupid and contagious. Okay, so another. Yeah. Uh, if you were a Western, if you are, and I am one, a Western type of individual, <laughs> when you describe the sort of enlightenment that Nirvana represents, the moving beyond reason, the the decoupling of this of the self, and no more thinking, basically. We would describe that as stupidity. Okay, that's that's one way to describe mm. it. Is stupid. Mm. Um, so, but then being stupid, feeling stupid, <laughs> you know, that's sardonic because he's obviously he's attained the Buddhist version of enlightenment. But say say let's use the word stupid. If you're also contagious, it's like well, I'm I'm bringing you guys along. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna infect, you know. A lot of people mm. with this with this particular brand of stupidity, this particular brand mm. of indarkenment, uh, I'm going to infect them with it. Well, does that bring us to the final... Now, what have we got here? Nine. <laughs> what a number. Nine repetitions of the phrase, a denial. Does that bring us along to that? I don't know. What? Uh, yeah, I think it might. So... Nine times he screams in his amazing, one of the greatest screams of all time, I think. So hardcore. Never never so bettered. Hardcore. Kurt's scream is something very poetic and very impassioned and just ir- irreplaceable, mm. basically. Mm. 
um, he screams a denial nine times. Why? I have no idea. Well, I'm going to posit some thoughts. And I think, that, I think that uh, whether intentional or not, the ultimate denial that Kurt Cobain represents with this song and the concept of Nirvana and the concept of the clash of civilizations and, and back to the Nietzschean, the Nietzschean concept that you mentioned of, of the West having killed God. Um, the denial is the denial of self. The denial right. is the denial of the existence of, of self, the, the existence of the soul, the existence of God, the existence of our place, or sorry, our position as humans, as unique humans, unique snowflakes, sacred humans, created by God, subordinate to God. That's the denial, the denial of the sacred, basically. The denial of life, the denial of, of the possibility of, of uh, improvement, the denial of the possibility of progress. Just all of those things are being denied. That's the denial, I believe. Whether and, intentional or not, that's what it screams mm, to me. It, it, do, you, do you think that's like all these behaviors that, are, you know, um, these sort of scenarios that he alludes to, um, you know, uh, that the local hicks are grabbing their guns and, mm. and their pals and, and heading off and demanding entertainment and... <laughs> Um, you know, using dirty words and um, thinking in these linear racial terms. And, mm. you know, it, it, is that a denial of the full potential of the human mm. spirit? You know, that's, that's, an old, that's definitely a logical take on it, for sure. Um, I, think that, I think that I've always operated on this because I'm divorced pretty much from that scene and, and everything that Kurt Cobain maybe came from in his hometown. I haven't had that experience. Mm. So I never really linked the song to that. And so, you know, that's my fault, basically. Mm. I always went high concept with this song. But as soon as you mentioned mm. that interpretation, that lens of bringing it back to the Hicks and, and the way they, the way their um, whole behavior is, is, is uh, just completely ignorant, basically. And mm. and they're denying reality. Yes, I think that I think that that's got to be remi- remembered. Um, back to the back to the basic concept, the basic scene, the mise en scène that you mentioned mm. right at the beginning mm. of the Hicks jumping into their pickup with the guns. Um, yeah, I think that's really important to mention. It's just not where I sit with the song. Mm. A denial is just it's so profound. A denial. It's it's. Mm. He means it. He really means it, and for he me, really it really means it. Yeah, for, and for me, it just <laughs> it it goes so deep into the human journey of a denial, a denial. Mm. Um, but I think it's really important what you said. Like you've got to bring it back to the basics, the basic mundane version of him existing in Aberdeen, um, Washington, and and encountering yeah. these hicks. Yeah, I agree. That, I agree totally. That's, well, that's my anecdotal experience as well mm-hmm. um having having then lived in a in a regional area yeah um shortly after this time um yeah. and yeah i mean it 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 spe- the song speaks to me in has spoken to me in that very literal way um over the years but also 
you know, great to dive and delve into some of these other higher concepts. But um, yeah, I mean, first and foremost for me, it's, there's a I have you know, as I was explaining, the visceral, mm. um, visceral response to hearing it before that experience. But then you know, later on in my teenage years, then um, living in one of these kinds of places. Yeah. Um, and experiencing those kinds of people as adversarial. Um, yeah. Yeah, it sort of took on um, much more of that literal meaning for me. And and I think I mentioned it to you um, before we did the recording today, but, you know, I... Uh, oh, that's something I wanted to mention. Um, uh, we were also talking briefly about, the, uh, about Justin Hawkins' Rides Again YouTube channel. Mm. Go... Like and subscribe, people. Um, <laughs> there's a freebie. Uh, you know, he 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 made this great comment in that little video where he says um, he was talking about heart shaped box, but he says he's talking about the impact of the band Nirvana on culture, uh, mm. Western culture and music and arts in general. And he says if you if you if you claim that you didn't like Nirvana, you're lying. <laughs> he, mm-hmm. he says that he states it really it was like if you if you say you didn't like him bullshit mm. um uh he goes how could you not and they changed you know they changed culture mm. um they changed history um and i couldn't allow myself to enjoy their creative output then i couldn't enjoy them as a band in my teens because um the adversarial people that I uh, was confronted by claimed to be fans of mm. this and other um, associated acts and, and of that sort of grunge movement um, and in particular ones that we would say were um, were woke or were politically mm. active. Mm-hmm. Uh, acts that you and I w- would probably align ourselves with ideologically um, mm. to some degree. Um, I I I had this terrible relationship with these kinds of bands at the time because mm. these other um, youths that that played adversarial roles in my life claimed yeah. to like these kinds of acts, and so I, I couldn't associate myself mm. with these acts, and, and it was terrible because obviously I have a great love and appreciation of this music, and it and it's spoken to me, um, but. I, I couldn't risk having any connection to these kinds of people. Mm. Um, so, you know, it was very, very weird for me. Um, I really relate to this in, yeah. on, a very, uh, on, a, on an anecdotal level, yeah. No, well, that's very profound. I mean, I think that the, the, the scene that you laid out in the beginning, which is not one I've ever really um, put together with the song, is just like, you know, it connects with you on an autobiographical level, but it, it mm. speaks to where Kurt, himself found himself so he he made this song it's in a brilliant piece of pop one of the darkest most brutal mm. songs ever written but wonderfully listenable mm. and wonderfully danceable moshable whatever i i know that there was heartbreak in him when he you know w- was out in cities and saw the mm. the douchebag um jock with the convertible uh car and the yeah. and the you know the the frosted tips uh, loving and playing Nirvana out loud yeah. uh, through the car stereo, and he was heartbroken because he's like that. That guy would would have bullied me. Yeah, and is and is now you know just loving my music and probably just still bullying people. Um, <laughs> yes. Just this, with no to the, nothing to the changed. soundtrack to the soundtrack exactly because it's because he- it's heavy because it rocks <laughs> and yeah 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, that there's an intersection here somewhat, and not to not to do down the um, the the autobiographical stuff you've shared, but just the title "Smells Like Teen Spirit" is worth mentioning. Um, yes. And so I think that you know the things that you just described. If I'm not wrong, if I'm not interpreting this wrongly, this is like things that happen to us as teenagers, like bullies and jocks and identity mm. and all this stuff. Um, do you feel like there's a, a, a like that kind of uh, when when I, I the, the the line is so so sardonic, like smells like teen spirit, <laughs> like an unpleasant smell of of people getting off on teen spirit, and teen spirit can be very vicious uh it's not it's not kind it's not it's it's kind of these these bullies i would these bullies and these jocks and these um you know un, un, intolerant people ignorant people they they pretty much represent teen spirit as far as i'm concerned yeah yeah um, it's driven driven by testosterone yes there we go driven by testosterone yeah. certainly that aspect of teen spirit is for sure it's uh it's way way in excess uh totally dysfunctional testosterone yeah agreed um so do you feel in general because there's an alternative there's an alternative director's cut of this episode where we focus much more on the <laughs> on the on the mundane you know and but but equally significant and equally important parts of the song which represent the in, the encounter between someone alternative like Kurt or yourself or me and the mainstream like the these jockey type bully type people and that this song represents something like that do you feel like in this episode maybe we've gone or I've taken it too far into the esoteric or do you feel like we've also covered adequately no, not at all not yeah. at all I, I i think it's all there contained in mm. in the one envelope and i think that's yeah. fine um yeah. I, I mean i i don't know of a single songwriter that doesn't want their art to work on surface level literal yeah. level and also in the metaphor and allegory uh, um i i i think that's the that's the dream isn't it as yeah as a songwriter is to is to operate on the on multiple levels and and have have each each listener um, form or have have their own voice speak to them from yeah. from the artwork you know um, and, and obviously I I I've, I heavily relate to that um, sense of dismay like I, I can completely understand that when he, when he as you say when he um, saw examples of the kinds of people that he he, he would want to escape from yeah. um you know chanting yeah. um his lyrics out as as battle cries perhaps yeah. to their aggression that's right um you know that he would be so distraught that that was happening um yeah look i, I think all of that happens at once and you know yeah. when when we create and we release artwork into the world we don't we we have very little control over it and and i mean there's many many great wise artists who will say that you know as soon as you create something it belongs to everyone um yeah. not to you um yeah. i mean there's lots of different thoughts on this yeah yeah i i think it works on all levels and i think we i you know i'm we as we always do we we try and cover as as many mm. roads as possible Mm. If if it's at all possible, 
I mean, one thing we've done in the past is being able to sort of marry the two, <laughs> the two levels at yeah. some point in the episode. And I just think that there's something there whereby the, the image, the image continues in the, in the temporal life of the song. And, and we could, we could talk about that. So basically, um, Kurt speaks to a sense of nihilism in the face of and embodied by the, the, the prevailing masculine culture or prevailing mainstream culture, which is akin to the ignorance revolving around um, misguided concepts or accurate concepts of nirvana and um, endarkenment or enlightenment and escaping reality. He creates a song to, to um, discuss both of those levels, including drug use and, and all these kinds of things. Mm. The song goes out into the world and mm. the band does, and their sound provides a medium for people to switch off their brains and persist in their ignorant behavior as, you know, these type of mainstream bullies and corporate um, corporate dullards, basically. <laughs> now, I, I didn't say that when we married the two, we would get an optimistic result because <laughs> it's... <laughs> Because it's terribly well, I mean, depressing. Let's, let's just let's just think, you know, and let's let's take it even more depressing. Um, okay. You know what 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 happened? <clears throat> what happened after what you know bands that were from the grunge scene hated the mm. concept of that label, the grunge scene. Mm. They hated that. Um, but you know what was what was the result post this scene, and you know post Cobain's death? Um, I mean, we musically we headed into new metal arguably yeah yeah you know um that this kind of aggressive uh, expression music that music that addressed aggression yeah kind of headed into this new metal territory um which um recently watched the uh the the woodstock um mm. uh doco and then, um, yeah i haven't watched it yet i've heard great things you know i mean uh, the there's some of the events that occurred during that particular festival i think are mm. a, a great summary of where this kind of um jocular aggressive mm. nice. um toxic masculine mm -hmm. culture went to and the kind of music that came from it and and went in parallel with with that unhealthy masculinity yeah um and ended up in this very violent destructive mm events of this festival and you know um sexual crimes perpetrated mm -hmm. against um women at this festival <clears throat> um and, and i mean that that to me feels you know that that was sort of the path that was taken yeah. by music and by um culture people mm. in society um ended up really really poor really yeah. nasty um and I mean, there, there was a real sense of this sort of entitlement around mm. certain demographics in that, you know, to, around the year 2000-ish, yeah. give or take. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, the backlash to that, <laughs> Cobain was a backlash to things that he mm. saw and dealt with and experienced. And then it was, the mantle was taken up and run <laughs> by perhaps a group of people that were less than savorable, but yeah. were dominant um, yeah. And then the backlash to that, I think, the backlash to all of, you know, that sort of fallout, I think is probably things like Me Too. Yeah. Um, 
and um, and you know, as, as you mentioned a lot earlier, that the the current generations feel very safe speaking up. They they mm-hmm. feel very happy and content to be vocal. Yeah. Um, and I think um, one of the great one of the great summaries in um, in the in near the end of that documentary actually is uh, uh, one of the girls who says, now woman who says, you know, I'm glad that we have moved on from that time, from what was acceptable, mm. what was considered. Mm-hmm acceptable behavior or, or stuff that we turned our heads to we didn't address you know mm. she's she's like, i'm very glad that we now have these things out in the open and we mm. we don't accept that kind of mm. um toxic um sexually abusive masculinity mm. um anymore and i think that's true and and you know maybe maybe that was it took it took 20 years but or you know 30 it took 30 years but maybe mm. that's the long game yeah, with a song like this, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, look, Maybe. that's that's profound. Yep. Yeah. Well, there we go. That's that's great stuff. Um, I think that we got a good amount of coverage <laughs> of the song. The question a- remains. <laughs> what question, Hugo? The question which started the whole journey: Does <laughs> "Smells Like Teen Spirit" by Nirvana? deserve a hallowed place in the lyrical time capsule. Do you want to go first, Ming? If we just look at these words on the page, it's is it that impressive? I don't know. It says hello a lot. I mean, it's not that striking. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> The thing is, I, it, I mean, it, go ahead. It's about it's about lyrics, right? And and we need to identify them in and of themselves. And, and, and you know, we've spoken about the the poetic genius, the mm. the succinct genius of Dylan. Mm. Um, and I mean, we've we've talked about um, how the Spice Girls, with such really mm. direct simplicity, yeah. can can embody um, lyrical genius as well. I I, I think. As you you've mentioned a few times, a sort of um, babbling list of nonsense, but it's quite clear that you know we've now been speaking about this song for as long as any other song we've addressed, if maybe longer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, unintentionally so. But you know this this is a, a list of babbling nonsense. It's got so much depth and and meaning to it. Yeah. Um, and whilst you know the rhyme scheme isn't like particularly adventurous or. No. Um, you know, there's there are layers of spiritual questions in here, and um, you know, a real a real a, a real questioning of um, the of humanity and and mm. our role in the in the greater universe. So, I, I think it it it's have to be a put it in the vault for me. Yeah, well, again, not to bury the lead, but I couldn't agree more. <laughs> um, Kurt Cobain was known for his lyrics. He was known as a as a sort of poet and a voice of the generation. And I think when you break down a song mm. like this, you really start to understand why. Mm. It's yeah. easy to talk about the shortcomings of the lyrics, that they're not the most advanced or, um, yes, elaborate lyrics that have ever been laid down. But... There's a very clever angle on that because almost by design, 
um, is it's deceptive. Basically, there is an mm. intelligence of a different kind at play, mm. and the intelligence is a relentless exploration of darkness and ambiguity, mm. which sneaks in via catchiness <laughs> and mm. um, indecipherability, and that's just in terms of the craft as a song. Writer and performer, mm. um, but when you consider this in the context of the human journey, I think you can unlock something truly profound about the state of the West in the late twentieth century and moving forward. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and you know, the the temptation for me is to see that as unrelentingly dark. Um, but I'm really glad that at the end there you talked about the echo the ripple effect sort of 30 years on mm. leading to something hopefully more more profound more sorry more wholesome and um for want of a better word or want of a non-dirty word self-assured <laughs> um because ultimately i have my struggles with the wokeness movement i think that there are aspects of it that are very very and to use one of their favorite words problematic um but um i think it's preferable to nihilism. And so teens being self-assured yeah. and teens yeah. teens having a spirit that will not tolerate um, being ill-treated and abused is mm. generally a good thing. And particularly those who yes. were previously victimized, groups who were previously victimized yes. and undeniably victimized, that's yes. obviously a good step for humanity. Yes. So... I'm glad that you managed to get us to a place of perceiving some <laughs> some good development out of this song, literally. Um, yeah, and and you know I have my own spiritual struggles with it, uh, but, well, but as, ultimately as I'm I. really glad to to reach that yeah. point. Hmm. So, so do you do you think these lyrics? So I put it in the uh... vault. <laughs> Sorry, I buried the lead. I agree with you, Ming. It deserves a hallowed place in the in the lyrical time capsule. Thanks for reminding me of the question. <laughs> let's let's put it in. Let's put it in. Let's put it in the vault. Sound now. effect. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was uh, this was really fun. Mm. Um, and yeah, I enjoyed it. You know, I I mean, I I I came I came at this one completely underprepared and um, mm. a little like <laughs> physically and spiritually, not just intellectually, <laughs> yeah, uh, impaired um, <laughs> to some degree, and uh, and I'm um, I feel really happy about you mm. know how we've we've looked at this and um, and some of the thoughts that it's provoked, and and please any listeners out there if you mm. have any any comments or rebuttals or yeah. um, counter arguments yeah contact us uh, yeah you can uh, rebut us with your entertain us <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna cut that bit <laughs> oh god it's been a long day yeah it's been a long life okay oh. uh, <laughs> well you know Kurt puts Yikes. me in that mode um, it's fantastic stuff but it's very dark. It's very dark. I'm going to go listen to Heart Shaped Box again. Yeah, there we go. Well, you know, there'll be more Nirvana and there will be more grunge. Uh, it's so... I'm gonna, we yeah, know that those tasty, songs... tasty, tasty stuff. Are, 
are on our um our overlords list they want us to look mm. at them so we will look mm. anyway in the meantime this has been lyrical time capsule i've been and always will be until the end <laughs> hugo <laughs> i was uh, i was just pretending to be me nice nice okay cheerio guys and peace please yeah, peace. peace peace out there keep it keep it peaceful <laughs>